Alright you absolute legends, welcome back to another episode of A Need to Read. I'm very happy to be bringing you a podcast today about who you are. That's right, I'm going to be telling you who you are. Or rather, I'll actually just be answering some questions so you can find out who you are and answer that question of who are you really? Because can we ever really know? Is there an authentic self? Do we have free traits or are we pretty much stuck with what we were given in our genes? That is what this podcast is going to be about. And before we get into it, let's just quickly run through the support for the show. Now, the podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. BetterHelp provides an online therapy service to millions of people all over the world, including hundreds of Need to Read listeners. If you yourself are thinking about therapy, if you're thinking that life may need a little bit of guidance from a professional, some questions asked that will give you the answers that you need, then getting therapy is going to be a wholly good idea. It's made a profound change in my life and I cannot recommend speaking to a professional enough. That's why I'm super proud that BetterHelp support this podcast, meaning that you, as the listener, can get 10% off of your first month of online therapy. All you have to do is click the link in the description and you get 10% off your first month and you'll be matched with a therapist within just 48 hours. Pretty good deal, if you ask me. And you know what else is a good deal? I send out free emails every single week. In the description of this episode, you can sign up to get the emails. And you know what? Sometimes they're insightful, and most of the time, they are good. If you want to take a risk, you can always unsubscribe. and The link is in the description. Now, to the podcast. This is a book, quite a short book. It's published by TED. I didn't know that they did books. But it's by a guy called Brian Little. And he is a psychology professor and a personality researcher. And this book is essentially an expansion of his TED Talk by the same name. And I've linked that in the description of the episode as well if you want to check that out. If you think I've done a terrible job of explaining it. Now, the books that I've read on personality before are good, but they are not that science-based. Surrounded by Idiots is a very good book. It is just relatively simple, I would say, uh, which is not really a bad thing. I think it, it made a pretty big difference in the way that I deal with people in my life and and quite a big difference in the way that I can understand myself, which is always a good thing, right? And it helped me understand the people around me. So it's improved relationships. And I think the more you look into personality, the more you understand it, the more empathy you have for those around you, and the more compassion you have as well. Not necessarily empathy being that much of a good thing, but the compassion side of things is definitely useful. Because the people around you are going to seem fucked up. They're going to seem like idiots. Sometimes you're going to think you're an idiot and sometimes you're going to think you're fucked up. But really, that isn't the case. You're just a human. Humans are complicated and we have to allow room for nuance. And that is basically the premise of this book. If you like Surrounded by Idiots, you will like this book. You're just going to be digging a little bit deeper. And I think naturally, the more you read, the more likely you are to want to dig a little deeper. So this would be a good place to start. And it's a very short book. So the question of... Who are you really? Now, you can't actually answer that with any form of integrity because there is a lot that goes into who you are. And people say that they act out of character, but out of character behavior, it's still you. You're you're still in character as you. um, But it's, it's not necessarily a case of there is one true self. And I know that there are lots of people on the internet who want to bring you into your authentic self. But I'm just here to kind of explain why doesn't exist. Now, a lot of psychology is based on trait psychology. The traits such as openness, um, openness to experience or closed off or conscientiousness, like wanting to do a good job or not really that bothered about doing a good job and quite lackadaisical when it comes to your work. Uh, Extroversion, 
as opposed to introversion, agreeableness, obviously in contrast to people who are not very agreeable, and then neuroticism, my favourite. It's people who are more inclined to feel the negative emotions than they are the positive emotions. Now, these five traits, a lot of people will say that you're just given them and you're stuck. But Brian Little kind of argues that they are free traits, right? And we have the ability to move along the scale of these things at different points in our lives. I'm going to give you some interesting statistics, firstly, about introversion and extroversion that he actually spoke about in the TED Talk and and, and not in the book. Um, And it comes to sex, right? So I'm going to talk about sex. I know you're dying to know how often an introverted man has sex or how often an introverted woman has sex. Now, this is on average. It's based on data. If you're an introverted woman and you're having no sex or you're having a lot more sex, or if you're an extroverted man, you're having a lot less sex, Look, these are statistics based on general society. It doesn't actually allow for each individual's experience and for it to be accurate to that, right? But introverted men supposedly have sex 3.0 times per month, which, I mean, is almost one a week. It's, it's, it's not too bad. Most introverted men are doing all right by the sounds of it. But extroverted men, they get laid a bit more, almost twice as much. It's about 5.5 times for an extroverted man. Now, moving on to the women... Introverted women get a tiny bit more sex than introverted men, but only 0.1 more sex. And I don't know what that counts. Maybe that's just a, I don't know, maybe that's just an extra kiss. Is that 0.10 of sex? 0.1 of sex? Who knows? Extroverted women, though, on the other hand, they have the most sex of all, apparently. Lucky them. They're at 7.5 times a month, almost twice a week for extroverted women. So if you're an extroverted woman, good on you. Go get it, sis. Um... It's just an interesting difference in between introverted and extroverted people. Um, Caffeine tolerance is different and alcohol tolerance are different between introverted and extroverted people. Um, Extroverted people like things quite simple, quite black and white. And introverts are more interested in the like contextually complex ideas of life and philosophy and stuff like that. Which, weirdly, me being an introvert means I'm quite interested in things that are a little bit more complex and I'm drawn to those a little bit more than I am to kind of like simple black and white ideas, right? The reason that I'm saying that is because the majority of our traits are just written into our genes. There are biogenic traits. That's just what we've been given, right? So that is your genetic disposition. They do influence like your default mode network, right? So the way that you view the world. So let's say... You're an extrovert and you're like predisposed to viewing your position quite optimistically, even though the reality of it like might be quite bleak. Or vice versa, you're an introvert, you're kind of probably going to be high on neuroticism. You're kind of going to see the world in a, a less rose-coloured spectacles. Right? You might call yourself a realist, but let's face it, sometimes us introverts can be a bit nihilistic um, and borderline negative. That, for the most part, with introversion and extroversion... Of course, there are situations in which you can change it. But that, you kind of get what you're given, right? That doesn't mean necessarily that you are your authentic self just because you're introverted. Because there will be situations where your extroversion will be called upon and you'll need to rely on it. And you'll actually do quite well. A lot of introverts are quite good public speakers. I can't tell you why, but I've seen quite a few of them. And people who are like, I'm desperately introverted, but I can speak in front of people fine. And I think that's one of those times where you have to call upon your extroversion. Call upon that little part of yourself that is okay talking in front of a crowd. And obviously if you're thinking, oh my god, I'd never talk in front of a crowd. It just takes reps, right? All you have to do is get over the little fear to begin with. Not necessarily get over it, but move through it. Um, and 
once you move through it, then, I mean, you, you're through it, you're getting the job done, right? And that is basically because we have what we call free traits. Those traits that I went through at the start, they aren't set for life. Some of them, like I said, are set in your genetics, and mostly they are determined by your genetics. But there are other influences. You do have other selves than this perceived kind of authentic self that you think you are you have sociogenic self right there's societal pressures and expectations on you and you perform for them there are things that you do outside of what you feel comfortable with or outside what you think your authentic self is because of societal pressures and then you have the idiogenic self and this is an idea that's been presented by brian little and idio comes from the greek word for like personal and then self is uh it's just the end of, of idiogenic self, and I don't know where that word comes from. I'm not a fucking genius yet, everybody. So the idiogenic self is your own aspirations and wants and what you kind of decide that you want to be. You might not want to be so neurotic, so you might work on things to reduce your neuroticism, or you might, might want to be more open to experience. To become more open to experience, you just say yes to more things. Like there are some some relatively simple things you can do to impact like your agreeableness and, and your openness and, and just to kind of mould yourself as a person. And this is why you have free traits. So where your idiogenic self kind of influences who you are as a person, it comes down to your constructs, right? And these are the way in which you measure the world. And these change constantly throughout your life. So one day you might value generosity over all else and, and you meet someone they're super greedy and you hate them. But that super greedy person is also incredibly intelligent and, and provides a lot to the world in that sense. But because you value generosity, the fact that they're greedy just tarnishes their whole personality for you. Or another day you might be valuing smart versus stupid and you might think, oh my goodness, that person was such an idiot, they had no idea about their ideas. Or you might value on another day openness versus close to experience. I know for a lot of my life I've been teetering between the two and I give myself quite a hard time when I'm being closed off. But every time I do a personality test, it says that my openness is pretty low, which is always surprising to me because I think there's lots of things that I like doing. But when you look at the values of all the things you're doing, they're relatively similar. Now, an, an idea that I loved from this book, and it's an idea that I've spoken about before, and I didn't realise it was an actual thing, so, hey, I thought I'd made it up. But personal construct theory. This is in the way that human beings all act like scientists, in the way that we live our lives. We are constantly testing hypotheses and making adjustments to ourselves based off of the results, right? So you might think one day, I need to be more... Let's go to the openness thing. I, I need to be more open to experience. You value openness on that day. You try to be open. You don't enjoy it. You then sort of think, well, I'll take the results of that. I didn't enjoy it. I won't do that anymore. The sort of constructs and, and, and the theories that we present ourselves, they are the lens in which we view the world in. But they can also be the cages, right? We can get stuck in testing a hypothesis once or twice, thinking that the results are going to mean that we should never behave in that way again. And that might actually hold us back. So I think I'm going to say to everyone to try and be a little bit more open here, um, which seems massively hypocritical of me. And it's one of those do as I say, not as I do things that teachers used to like be in school when they were there, sat on their phones or something. But when it comes to like success metrics, people who are open to experience tend to do better 
if that's what you value. Uh, most people tend to to value success on, on, on some level. Maybe their value or their metric of success is skewed, but most people value success. And openness to experience has a huge part to play in that. Uh, if you remember the conversation with Richard Wiseman, his whole thing about luck... People who tend to be luckier in life are those who are more open to experience and open to new conversations and stuff like that. So it pays dividends to be open to experience. Now, if you are thinking, right, good, all these talks about free chats, but how the hell do I actually change anything? The way that you kind of work out how you can change is working out what you're currently doing that you might want to change. So here's an exercise for you. Maybe do it later or do it now if, you, if you've if you got the resources to do so. But list down all of your personal projects and see what they say about you. Now, these can be like personal projects, social or work. Like you might be like, right, I'm going to be trying to get a promotion. So I need to work out all the different things that I need to do better um, at my job or, or to get myself noticed. You might have personal goals of, right, I, I want to get out into the dating scene. I want to speak to more people or I want to make new friends. What's my personal project with that? Am I getting out there enough? Am I starting new hobbies? That kind of falls into the social side of things as well. There's a lot to be said for your personal projects. And if you want to sort of know about a person, ask them what they think they're doing in any particular task. That question of what do you think you're doing? It sounds like you're being told off, but it will tell you quite a lot about why you're doing the particular things that you're doing. Because if you haven't thought about it and you're just sort of going through the motions, it's hard to tell like what your values are. But when you work out what you've been doing each day and you ask yourself, what do you think you're doing? You then present yourself the idea of what you do think you're doing and that will show you your motivations. And Brian Little in the book says that your deeds speak louder than your disposition. So this comes to who you are as a person. No matter whatever your biogenic and sociogenic disposition is, your well-being largely depends on how you think your personal projects are doing and for the most part your personal projects could be conflicting with your sociogenic and and your biogenic self so your genes and and what your societal sort of pressures are that's quite interesting right these personal projects that we undertake there's times where i'll have a personal project where i'm required to be a little bit more extroverted and that has over time sort of changed me as a person I'm, i'm a little bit less extroverted my genetic disposition is once I've spoken to loads of people, I need to go and sit in a room. This is why I think I've got this, like, fucking obsession with reading, right? I am so keen to be on my own. Reading seems like a reasonable way to do it, that I can do it guilt-free. Like, if I was just to play games all the time, I would give myself a hard time for that. If I had a PlayStation, I'd probably play it all the time. That's why I can't have it. So you have to kind of work around yourself there. When it comes to introversion and extroversion, by the way, and I know I'm jumping around a little bit here, but what you need to make sure is that you have like a restorative niche. You have your own way of recharging, and that is most likely to match up to whether you're an introvert or an extrovert. If you're extroverted, you get your energy from talking to people and and doing things with people. My sister's an extrovert. I'm an introvert. She likes being around people. I prefer being on my own. But these labels can be quite limiting. I know there's probably plenty of things that I've missed out on because of my introversion or or the fact that I like to go and sit in a room on my own. There'll be loads of things throughout life that I have missed out on 
willingly missed out on by the way i'm not too bothered but this is another sort of example of the construct and, and the lens in which we view the world through becoming a little bit of a cage if you are a bit too attached to who you are you're probably going to be restricting yourself and you might be getting in the way of something quite cool and let's face it cool things are cool right we enjoy doing those and this is where like surrounded by idiots probably doesn't give you enough because in that book he'll say right you're a red personality type you've worked that out you're just going to do red personality type things from now on you're not going to fuck about with blue green yellow other types of um the other personalities you're not going to bother doing those because you're so attached to this identity of, of who you are but really we've seen there are social influences and actually just whilst we're on the social influences part of this there is a thing called the quixotic principle it's kind of spelled like exotic but with a qui in front of it and no e that is like the template essentially that our culture will tell us how to behave and that does play quite a huge role think of religion um, think of how people behave in the East and how people behave in the West. It's not that, like, genetically they're completely different people. We're kind of made up of the same stuff still. I mean, we 100% are made up of the same stuff. We're all human beings, East, West, wherever you're from. But what I mean is genetically introverted people, extroverted people, there's probably more introverted people within the East than there would be in the West because that's kind of their base philosophical values are around more introversion than extroversion and i will speak in another podcast about the influences of eastern and western philosophy on on our culture and us as people but a good example came from jonathan Haidt's book the righteous mind where he speaks of a woman in, in india and she belongs to a particular strain of hinduism where they're not allowed to eat fish because fish is an aphrodisiac and well, if, you, if you're a widow, like this woman in this story is, which I should have said at the start, eating fish as an aphrodisiac would be an insult to your ex-husband. So, or not ex-husband, the dead one, basically. You know what I'm trying to say. Whereas my grandma, for example, she's dead now, but her husband also died way before her. If she was eating fish, she wouldn't have batted a fucking eyelid. That is a quixotic principle. That is a template of culture. If she was in a particular part of India people would have looked at her in a funny way but because she lived in England no one gave a fuck if she ate fish and that is culture's influence it's well you can't really deny it culture is what shapes us in a, in a large part also the other sort of determining factors of, of who you are in the personal so back to personal projects your personal projects are essentially going to shape who you are in the future they also shape kind of who you are right now so your personal projects whatever they may be, should be meaningful to you. It's better if they're intrinsically motivated and not motivated by like external validation and stuff like that because external validation is fragile, right? Internal motivation, you're doing stuff for yourself. It's a good, like, you set the metrics, you set the bar. You're not waiting on a well done from someone else. It's just you're doing it for the sake of doing it and because it will help you get to your particular goal, which should be an intrinsically motivated goal. Now, if they're sustainable, which hopefully they are, if, if you need help in terms of like your personal projects being sustainable, one of the greatest things you can do is get support from someone around you. Uh, there's studies done on pregnancy and there's studies done on entrepreneurs where a huge determining factor in the success um, or perceived success of the pregnancy, i.e. given birth or, or an entrepreneur's success of a business, is actually the emotional support of a partner. So that's really important. You might not have a partner, but 
you'll have other people around you hopefully if not get out there get social make some friends emotional support is super important that is how they become sustainable as you go on with your personal projects you might start to notice a slight change in who you are and you'll probably end up saying that you've just stepped into who you who you've always been and that's just because it fits the narrative, right? We're humans. We attach a story. We want to be the heroes of our own story. It's so nice to think, oh, for 20 years I wasn't myself and I just stepped into myself here and I've, I've changed my life. Really, you've got free traits. Your personality is changeable and there is no authentic self. And that, I think, is quite a liberating realisation to come to because a lot of people will be like, I'm not doing that because I don't do that kind of thing. That is getting in the way of new experiences and it's getting in the way of potential growth. And we shouldn't be growth focused all the time. But let's face it, when you grow, it feels good. People feel good when they are progressing. So putting personal projects in place that will help you progress will just add to your well-being on a holistic basis, right? You're going to feel a lot better. To summarize it, though, the authentic self is a lie. It's a cage that you can easily get yourself stuck in and... There is far more to personality than just what you were given. It's not a get what you were given scenario all the time. There are lots of things that can be done to change your personality. Not to say that you should try and change personality. Do whatever the fuck you want to do. This is your life. You get to make the rules here for yourself. But it's quite, it was quite liberating for me to find out that there is kind of no authentic self. Because, I mean, I think I've been quite a few different people in my life and... I would wager that I'm not the only one who thinks like that or who feels that that's how their life has gone. I'm sure that people listening to this have thought, oh, five years ago, I was a completely different person. And but let's face it, in 10 years' time, you're probably going to be a completely different person. There will be some stability in the traits that I've spoken about, those big five, openness, conscientiousness, agreeableness, um, extroversion, introversion, neuroticism. There'll be some stability there. But if you plan your projects right and you're doing the right things, the parts of yourself that you think may need some attention can be given attention. They can be nourished and they can grow, which is quite a nice realisation, right? You're not just fucking stuck and there isn't this authentic self that you can step into um, because I think that is a is a pain point for a lot of people of thinking, oh my God, I'm trying to be my authentic self, but I don't know what the fuck that is. So, well, don't worry about it. You haven't got one. You'll be essentially whatever your environment demands of you. There will be times when you need to recharge. You need a restorative niche so you can get your sort of energy back. But for the most part, these traits are free. They're movable. If you want to read the book, it's quite a short book. It's about 100 pages. I, I think I've done a pretty thorough explanation. I wouldn't rush to get it unless you're super, super interested in it. But the TED Talk is linked in the description, so you can have a look at that if you want. It's quite good. It's, it's nice to see him talking about a few things. He's, he talks about his experience as an introvert, and he was actually referenced in Susan Cain's Quiet, where an extrovert came next to him on the toilet and tried to chat to him while he was having a shit. And he was like, nothing constipates an introvert, like someone trying to talk to him when they're on the john. He's kind of funny. He's just an old American bloke. But he's wise and his book was good. I quite enjoyed it. It's opened my eyes up to different ways of seeing personality and the self. And that's what reading's about, right? It's opening your mind up to different things and different perspectives. And 
conflicting data, we have to be able to think critically and sift through the shit to see what we attach to. Right? For now, I'll be attaching to this sort of method of, of personality rather lens that I look at personality through. You do whatever you want. TED Talk in the description. Sign up to emails in the description. That is it from me, you absolute legends. Also, if you want therapy, I mean, you might not, but you might be in need of it. And if you're in need of it, I highly suggest going. There's a link in the description. Get yourself 10% off. But also, speak to your GP. Go and find a private therapist if you don't want to do it online. There's good data to suggest that like online therapy is just as useful as face-to-face. Um, a lot of people are more comfortable doing it online, but you might not be one of those people. You might need a face-to-face contact, and that is absolutely fine. But if you're on the borderline of thinking, maybe I should go to therapy, and you think you need it, please just go. You'll be doing yourself a real favour for your future. The future you, the future authentic you that doesn't exist, you'll be doing them a favour. You're all absolute legends. Thanks so much for listening to this. Got a lot more podcasts coming up, some good content coming. I love you all. 